You think maybe we could just skip the preaching and go to the song service all over again? Oh, I tell you, God bless you, Bart, Ronnie, choir, praise band. I can't wait to the second service. I always uh, tell Marsha ahead of time when it's been an extra special song or special, you just wait, you just wait. I think I'm going to call her just as soon as I get through and say, you just wait till today. What does the resurrection mean to you? Turn to John chapter 20. We're going to see what the resurrection meant to three groups of people in John chapter 20 because the resurrection should and could mean the same thing to us. John chapter 20, beginning with verse 11, the resurrection meant an end to Mary's weeping. Maybe there's somebody here today that's weeping. You're walking through a valley. You're having a dark time. You're going through a divorce. You've lost a precious loved one. Maybe you're not sure how you're going to pay the bills. You look at the world situation, and maybe you're just weeping in your heart. The resurrection can make a difference. Verse 11, but Mary, now this is Mary Magdalene. The Bible says she was the one that Jesus cast seven demons out of. Some say she was a prostitute. We don't know that. But I tell you what, whatever she was, it was bad news. Seven demons were cast out of that woman. But you know, those that are forgiven much love much. And boy, how she loved Jesus who saved her and delivered her and was her Lord. Now, she and some women have gone to the tomb to somehow or another, if someone can roll that stone away, to even give Jesus a more appropriate burial by anointing his body with spices and things of that nature. They get there and he's gone. And so they run and tell Peter and John and they come and realize he's gone. And now John focuses on Mary as though she has come back to the tomb and seems to be by herself. She stood outside the tomb weeping. The word weeping doesn't just mean to cry. It means to sob uncontrollably and continually. You know, the Bible says there's a time to weep. The Bible says Jesus wept. Isaiah said he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. God gave us tear ducts for a reason. There's nothing wrong with weeping. Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation, but the verse doesn't end there. He said, be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. There is something wrong with living a life defeated by weeping and pessimism and defeat. Martin Luther, the great Reformation, certainly went through his share of trials, and he was going through a downtime, and his wife, who was quite the Christian lady tried to bring him out of it and nothing seemed to work. So one day she went in to serve him tea or something like that and she dressed in all black like she was going to a funeral. And Martin Luther looked at Ms. Luther and said, why are you dressed like that? And she said, it's because you're acting like Jesus is still in the grave. He's not. He's risen from the grave. So she's weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down. The entrance to those uh, uh, tombs was small and low. And she stooped down, and she looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white. 
I'm not sure she realized they were angels at this time. Angels have the ability to appear as people. One at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Weeping uncontrollably, weeping incessantly. Uh, this is a gentle rebuke. I mean, Jesus has told them, his followers, on more than one occasion, yes, I'll be brutally crucified, but the third day I will rise from the grave. And maybe the Lord's asking you that question today. How much longer are you going to go on living in defeat? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord. Isn't it interesting that Mary still calls Jesus my Lord? Quite the lady. I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around. I don't know what caused her to turn around from the entrance of that tomb and look at Jesus. Maybe the angels disappeared. Maybe they fell down in adoration when they saw Jesus outside of the tomb. But suddenly she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. He says, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Even when you don't feel like he's there, he's there. He never leaves nor forsakes us. And did not know that it was Jesus. No, why didn't she know it was Jesus? Boy, there's all kind of speculations about that. The last time she saw Jesus, his face was so pulverized, his body was so broken, perhaps she didn't recognize him. He's in a glorified body now, a resurrected body. There's the sameness about that, but there's also some amazing differences to that body. But, you know, could it be that her eyes were so full of tears that she couldn't recognize him? Again, there's a time to weep, but, folks, if you weep beyond the time that you should be weeping and you fail to live and walk, in victory, it will blind you from seeing the resurrected Jesus. He asked the same question. Is he asking you this question today? Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She's supposing him to be the gardener. I mean, this was Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, a very wealthy man. It was common in that day for wealthy people to have someone that would overlook their grave sites. Sir, if you have carried him away, I don't know why you would have taken him away or for what purposes. I'm not questioning that, but please, if you have moved this body, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Oh, I love verse 16, the first part. Jesus said to her, Mary. Now, what you don't see in the translation here is he speaks Aramaic. And the Aramaic name for Mary is Miriam. That's the name her parents would have called her as a little girl. It's real personal. It's real intimate. That's the name her best friends would call her. That was always the name Jesus called her. And he spoke in her native Aramaic terms. I shared this in a prayer a while ago. It just blows my mind. I saw an old Christian friend yesterday. And he said, let me tell you all that God is doing for me. And I really appreciated his testimony. But I so wanted to break in and say, there's no way he could be doing all that for you. He's been doing so much for me. Isn't that wonderful about God? I mean, he's omnipresent and he's all-powerful. And he doesn't just see us as someone else who took a ticket 
and is waiting in line for our name to be called. He knows his sheep by name, and he calls us by name, and he speaks to us as though we were the only one in the world. Is he calling your name today? How many times has he called our name? She turned and said to him, Rabboni, this is a very high term for a master teacher. Few of the Pharisees were ever called this particular term. Jesus said to her, do not cling. Literally, don't just keep clinging to me. She was grabbing hold of his feet and just wouldn't let go. Now, he's not saying don't touch me because later on we'll see he told Thomas to touch him. He's not afraid of being touched in this resurrected body. But he's saying, Mary, you got it all wrong. You, you think the way to stay close to me is just to cling to this body right here now, but I'm going to ascend to heaven. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and you will have such a close relationship with me through the Holy Spirit, and that's what's got to take place. Go to my brethren. He calls the disciples not friends like he did in John 15, but brethren. And say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Oh, yes, you're my brethren, but I belong to my God in a special way by relationship. And you belong to your God by adoption. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Now, the Bible doesn't say, but it doesn't have to say. Do you think she was weeping? Do you think she just walked casually to tell those disciples, I've seen the Lord? As Bart and Ronnie just saying, no, sir, the resurrected Christ meant an end to Mary's weeping. I shared an illustration from the wonderful author Max Licato in prayer meeting a few weeks ago. I'm going to share it again today. Our crowd there sometimes is rather small. Max Licato said, suppose one day you're driving down a country road and a farmer friend of yours is stopped on his John Deere tractor. He's holding something in his hands and he is just crying profusely. And so you pull the car on the side of the road and you get out and you go to him and say, oh, my dear friend, what's wrong? Why are you so sad? And he says, the seed, the seed, the seed. And you say, what do you mean the seed? And he opens his hands and he has some seed and, and he shows it to you. And he said, these precious seed, I'm, I'm going to put them in the ground and cover them up with dirt and they will decay and be no more. Boo, hoo, hoo. <laughs> and you say, oh, dear farmer, don't you understand? Stop your weeping. The result of that seed decaying and dying is that it will produce a most beautiful and fruitful plant. This old shell, this old earthly body, it's running down. I used to like to race with my grandchildren. My 18-year-old, I could just about outrun him. But 15 years later, my little grandchildren, leave me standing still. This old body is going down now that I'm 26. 
so is yours. And one day they will lay it in the ground and my spirit will go to be with the Lord. But that's okay. Don't keep weeping for me, brothers and sisters, because there will come a day that I will receive a glorious resurrected body to join with my spirit. Weep, yes. There's a time for weeping. But don't live a life of weeping. Don't be overcome by weeping. Why? Your Savior lives. Secondly, the resurrection meant an end to the apostles' fear. Now, that's in verse 19 and following. Then the same day, at evening, being the first day of the week, it's a different sermon, but it's amazing how much emphasis is put on Sunday becoming a special day of worship after the resurrection. When the doors, notice plural, maybe the gate doors surrounding the house and the door into the house, they were shut where the disciples were assembled. They had been hearing all these rumors about Jesus rising from the grave and appearing to folks. It was time for a committee meeting. They were assembled with the doors locked. Why? For fear of the Jews. They were afraid these same Jewish leaders who crucified their Lord or had him crucified would do the same to his followers and get rid of this Jesus sick once and for all. And just like that, Jesus came and stood in the midst. In this resurrection body, it will be very different, and yet it will have some of the sameness to it too. But apparently, it doesn't specifically say how he came to stand in their midst, but it seems as though he just walked right through the walls of the door. No problem when God gives us a glorified body. And he said to them, now, he gave Mary Magdalene joy. I like joy. The only thing I think is even better than joy is love. But right next to joy, give me peace. And the resurrected Christ can do that. They are shaking in their sandals, and he says to them, peace be with you. And this not only means a greeting, it means he bestows a spirit of peace upon them. And he's still doing that today in a very troubled, fearful world. Last night, uh, I talked to a guy who'd been in the military. He had served two tours of duty in Iraq and one in Afghanistan. And, and he was really up on the military situation. And he said, do you realize we are so close to a world war right now? begin to talk about Russia and President Putin there in North Korea and crazy man who's the leader there and different hot spots in the Middle East. And I tell you what, if I didn't know Jesus, I believe I would have been afraid. But you can look at the world around you. I mean, Look up in the sky. You know, the astronomers tell us it's not a matter of if an asteroid's going to hit this old earth and destroy it. It's just a matter of when. Oh, thank you. I'll sleep better now. Talk to the seismologist. Oh, it's not a, it's not a question of if there's going to be an earthquake here in the Memphis area or the San Andreas Fault in Cal. It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. Well, thank you, sir. Look at the climatologists. A lot of debate here. Global warning. There's going to be flooding like never before. On and on. 
Talk to the doctors. There are new strands of diseases. Some of the old strands are coming back because our bodies have built up an immunity to the antibiotics. I'm telling you, we live in a fearful, fearful, fearful world. But you don't have to let fear overcome you. Why? Because the resurrected Jesus can give you peace. So he says again, peace be unto you. Can I tell you briefly about the day that I was a hero to half of the seventh grade class in Drew, Mississippi? Mm -hmm. Back then, we had a history teacher. He was my favorite coach, my favorite person. He was a Christian. He taught Sunday school at the Baptist church. And uh, believe it or not, kids, back in that day, they paddled us. And those coaches had paddles with holes in them for aerodynamic speed. They would literally lift you off the floor. You, you would get like this. Can't do it, that anymore either. But anyway, lift you off the floor. You'd have bruises. I mean, it's just accepted. I mean, if you missed a tackle at football practice, go, wow, you wouldn't miss it the next time. And this coach, if you failed his test, big test, three licks, and boy, he gave a hard one one day, and about half the boys in the seventh grade class failed it. And I was honored to be one of those boys. And the last thing we had that day before we went home was junior boys, junior high wife, Boys Hawaiian, and he read the name of all the guys that failed the test. And he said, you're going to get three licks. You can take them right now. Or you can wait till tomorrow. Well, I thought, I want to sleep tonight. Anybody want to take them right now? Yes, Coach Holmes. I pranced up there. Well, I didn't prance, but I got up in front of that class, grabbed my, I mean, it didn't matter, embarrassment or what. And wow, three licks. I slept so good that night. My hiney was hurting a little bit, but I slept good. The next day, I've never seen such a group of fearful fellows in my life. Henry Cummins wore five pair of underwear the next day. This is a true story. True. But let me tell you what happened. My best friend was the mayor's son. He never felt anything. He was brilliant. But he told you, dying his mother. And she told the mayor. And folks, they got things stirred up. And none of those other boys had to take licks. The spanking for failing test had ended. I was a hero in the seventh grade, <laughs> at least for one day. Oh, Jack, thank you, man. Oh, Jack, thank you, man. Fear's a horrible thing. But someone took our licking for us, Jesus Christ, on the cross. The wages of sin is death, not just physical, but spiritual and forever. But Jesus died our death, not because he was afraid, but because he loved us so much. So we don't have to fear death when we know the resurrection and the life. All right, one last group. Old Doubting Thomas, the resurrected Christ put an end to Mary Magdalene's weeping. The resurrected Christ put an end to the disciples' fear, and he can do the same for us. 
And the resurrected Christ put an end to Thomas's doubting. Verse 24, now Thomas called the twin, one of the original 12. He wasn't with them when Jesus came. See what happens when you miss church? I'm telling you, the Lord Jesus, this is biblical. It's a different sermon. The Lord Jesus manifests himself in some big ways and special ways when Christians assemble together. Well, the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. The Greek says they just kept saying, we've seen the Lord when the heart is full, the mouth speaks. We've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. Old Thomas gets tired of it. So he says, unless I see his hands in the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. Thomas with them this time. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, I told you, he knows each of us intimately. And he doesn't scold him for his doubts. Now, now let me just throw this out. I was really praying about, well, not to even share this with you. It won't take but a minute. I've been saved now for a long time. I've been studying the Bible for a long time. But there are times when I have doubts. Can I just be honest with you? There are. And during those times, I know to stay close to the Lord and to stay close to Christian fellowship. But one of the things I do is I review the proofs of the resurrection. You might say, well, I wish I could, I wish I could take my hands and, and touch where the nails were and know that Jesus is really real and bodily resurrected. I wish I could. You can't. Again, it's a different lesson. I've preached on it before. I won't re-preach this today. But there is one thing the skeptic, the atheist cannot disprove, and that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How could a church that was started in Jerusalem with the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ have flourished like it flourished if he was still in the tomb and all the skeptics would have had to have done was to go out to the Jerusalem graveyard? And they would say it was all a lie, but his body was gone. How can you explain the radical change in these disciples' life from cowards to courageous evangelists that weren't afraid to die for their faith? They saw the resurrected Christ. How can you explain the traditional Sabbath day on Saturday suddenly turning to a day of worship on Sunday, the first day of the week, because that's the day he arose. And how can you explain his missing body? The disciples wouldn't have taken it, couldn't have taken it. It was guarded by a Roman guard. The Jews wouldn't have taken it. They didn't want the folks to think he had risen from the grave. There's only one way to explain it. Jesus Christ really did rise from the grave. There's been many a skeptic and atheist who's come to know Christ because they have set out to disprove the resurrection and become convinced he is Savior, he is real, and he is Lord. And so Jesus doesn't scold him for his doubts, and there are times I have doubts, not a lot, but some, and I need to go to scriptures like this and remind myself of the proofs of the resurrection of Christ. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God, 
He knows only God could have known that he asked to do these very things specifically, and the Lord let him do those very things. And then he said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Have you believed on the resurrected Savior? My nephew, my sister's youngest, runs two restaurants in Tupelo. They live in Saltillo, a really nice subdivision. And uh, he was telling me this story a little over a year ago. He said there was this dog, it looked like a Laub and Collie mix, and it just came up to their house. It was so friendly, the kids loved it. And uh, it stayed there for about a week. They fed it and got it doggy treats, and then after a week, it would go to someone else's house in the neighborhood. The, the subdivision adopted the dog, named it Hobo. He'd go from house to house just having a good time. He was a traveling man. And uh, Hobo quit coming. And my nephew, John Mark, said he was coming home from work one day and he looked out in this field and he saw a carcass of a dog. It was pretty much gone. But he pulled over to the side of the road. He went out there. He wasn't sure it was the same size as Hobo, had the same uh, black and white color as Hobo, and he thought, that's it. So he goes home. He gets a shovel, and he works hard. He bears the dog out there in the field, and he goes home, and he tells his little children, well, Hobo's gone to doggy heaven. Hobo's not coming back. And uh, his little five-year-old, John Coley, says, I don't believe it, Daddy. I don't believe Hobo's dead. Yes, son. Tried to convince him. I don't believe it. Well, guess what happened? <laughs> About two weeks later, they were cooking out one afternoon, and guess who comes wagging his tail bigger than ever? Hobo done risen from the grave. <laughs> no, Hobo. <laughs> it wasn't Hobo that John Mark liked to died from the stench burying. <laughs> you know what John Coley, that little five-year-old, said? I told you Hobo wasn't dead. I told you Hobo wasn't dead. The faith of a child. Well, friend, there's a much greater than Hobo. He's God, he's Lord, he's Savior. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he is not dead. He lives. Believe on him. Let's stand together and pray, shall we? With your head bowed in prayer, do you know the resurrected Savior? I mean, today, you may even be a believer, but you know what? You just haven't been living in much victory. And now there's a time to weep, but maybe it's time to come out from under that, not let it dominate your life. And you, like Mary Magdalene, need to let the resurrected Savior put an end to your weeping. He will, he will, he will believe on him to do so. And my goodness, I mean, it could be you've received some kind of news that's very fearful. But you know what? It won't overcome you because your Savior has defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave. And he gives you a peace. Then perhaps today there's some doubters here. Don't doubt. Blessed are they that believe. If you've never trusted Christ, 
If you've never relied on him and believed in him as your Savior who died for your sins on the cross and rose from the grave, would you do so right now? The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, he won't come through the door. The Bible says he stands at the door of our heart. He knocks, but you must open that door. He wants you to. He loves you. He died for you. He rose for you. Would you receive him? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you would receive him during this time of invitation, we invite you to come unashamedly and rejoice and say, Christ is Savior and Lord of my life. In his name we pray, amen. Let's sing together, Mark.